Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Wrestling Place Wesley Chapel. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at our gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I am, um, <clears throat> I'm going to ask just that this mic gets turned up a little because my voice is like very almost gone. I don't know if that's the right way to say that. Very almost gone. I don't know. I didn't even put more of a low cut on it, like pull it all the way over because I'm going to whisper into this thing today. Uh, I apologize for my voice, uh, but we have been going for it uh, since Friday. Uh, we started around 6 o'clock. You know, we, you all had your joint gatherings up this way. We had one in Brandon, and then we went 24 hours at the Tampa campus all the way till 6 p.m., and my wife and I had the privilege of leading the final set of that from 4 to 6 p.m., and then I was up till midnight counseling someone last night, so hopefully this thing will last all the way through the message, but if not, whatever. The Holy Ghost will take it away, and it'll be better, so I apologize. I sound a little funny, but yeah, it's just it is what it is. But I am grateful to be here today, and I am thankful for uh, Pastor Eric and Pastor Sarah. Aren't they amazing? I mean, just I'm grateful for the environment that's being fostered here. He and I were down here just getting absolutely messed up. I'd have like seven tissues over there full of stuff. And I'm, I'm weeping today in gratitude. Just so thankful. Man. Like, this is, it's not a fairy tale to me, you know. <laughs> like, it's done something to me. <laughs> when we say he is risen, he is risen indeed. I, like, he's risen in me. I, I, I feel it inside. Like, and I know many of you do too. I'm not, like, trying to create a comparison. You don't got to be like me. You don't got to be a weepy mess. Thank you, Pastor Jessica. More tissues on the way. You don't have to respond like I respond, but I pray you do respond. <laughs> and I do have a word today. I, uh, I always prepare the same way until the Lord wants to change it. But I always sit before the Lord, usually on Wednesday at 8 a.m. That's why you'll probably never have a meeting with me at that time or get a hold of me then. I have a meeting with Jesus, have date time with Jesus. You know, like husband's wife, you have date night. I have, I have a date with Jesus every Wednesday where we talk about a very specific thing. And I ask, Lord, what are you saying to your people this week, right? And I just sit there until I hear something. And I could not get past this one phrase uh, rolling around in my head from Paul. Um, <clears throat> he said in Philippians 3 that he said, the apostle Paul, who met the resurrected Christ on the road to Damascus, if you know the story, the one who uh, was knocked off his donkey, right, knocked off his high horse, blinded by the light, uh, and, and literally a few days later, you know, he could see again, blind, but now can see. He takes that literally, you know. This guy says years later, oh, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. And it's like, Paul, if anybody knows him, if anybody knows the power of it, it's you. Like this guy's sweat rags, if you've read the book of Acts, his work clothes would be used to heal the sick. I mean, think of it. Like people do not take my work clothes to anyone. They, they run away from me in my work clothes. They do not take my work clothes to anybody, right? The minute your sweat 
sweaty workout gym clothes are used to bring healing, I, I want to I hang out with you. Like, I want to know more, right? This is that guy, and yet he said, oh, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. So today, we're going we're gonna to read this story, one of the glimpses of the resurrection moment out of John chapter 20. But I have a goal today. Are you ready? I have a goal. I like to give you the bottom line. I don't know if this is a good teaching technique that they teach people or not. I don't know. I don't care. It's my style. I like to give you the bottom line at the beginning and then prove it, okay? That's, here's my bottom line. My, my goal today is to end your powerless Christianity. Today is the end. I'm declaring an end to your powerless Christianity. I wanted to title this Killing Powerless Christianity, but I've gotten a lot of feedback a lot of, about a lot of things lately and that I should soften <laughs> on certain things and whatever. I'll soften on some. I won't soften on other things. So to, the title today is The End of Powerless Christianity. That's the title of my message. This is the end of powerless Christianity. Say the end. Of all of it, like yours, his, hers, theirs, ours, all of it. Just declaring an end. Amen? So let's pray again just because I've, I've been making a habit of this. I know Pastor Eric did a wonderful job not compensating for anything. I just want to pray again. Father God, would you move powerfully through your word? Jesus, let your voice be heard in my voice, no matter how squeaky it is. <laughs> Let your voice be heard in my voice today, Jesus. Help me to speak as an oracle of the Lord, like your word says. Oh, God, I pray each one here listening live and listening back on the podcast would hear the Son of Man, the Son of God, speaking to their hearts. God, would you equip us with your word? Would you free us with your word? Would you deploy us with your word? I pray, God, for a mighty encounter with your manifest presence as I preach, Lord, not because of me, but because of our partnership together. I love you, Jesus. You're my bridegroom king. You're my risen savior. I have nothing apart from you. I love you. God, move. Let this world tilt on its edge, tilt under the weight of this word, Jesus. Let Wesley Chapel never be the same. That each household here be completely reinvigorated by the power of your resurrection. And Jesus, would you kill our powerlessness today? Kill every mindset that restrains the power of the resurrection in our personal lives. Break it today. Break it by your spirit. Not by my eloquence or by my, my cleverness, God, but by your spirit. Let it break today. Even now, God, just start to dismantle it. Like if they need to tune me out and trance out in heaven, go. I say go. Encounter the Lord. My prayer is that we would encounter you, Jesus. Oh, God. Holy Spirit, come. In Jesus' name, amen. John chapter 20, verse 1 through 9. <clears throat> it says, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, 
They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they're going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. It's hilarious to me. <laughs> but that's in there. <laughs> the other disciple wrote this, by the way. <laughs> He's the one who wrote this account. <laughs> the guy writing this was the better athlete. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Just funny. Oh, you think your team's got problems. Look at the disciples, man. A ragtag bunch of crazy guys. But I'm going to point out something that redeems that a little bit in just a second that I got while driving here this morning, straight from the J Cloud. I, I do. I, Eric labors over his words. He labors over his teaching. I labor over my teaching. I do. I I actually take all my scriptures and my notes, and I, I use technology. I use uh, Siri to speak the word to me. I literally have it preached back to me. You know how you can, like, select all and click speak? It speaks to me. So I hear this word before you do every Sunday. Like, I, it's just a fun little thing. Like, I let it preach to me, you know? So anyway, while that was happening, I had a revelation about that today. So you're going to get that. But... <clears throat> The, they were running together. The other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, this is the other disciple who got there first. Stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloth lying there, but he did not go in. Say so he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. I just want to suggest to you that maybe, again, this was just like a boop, aha moment I had while this sermon was being preached to me this morning on the drive here. I had an aha, like what if, John mentioned that he outran him just so he can mention that he gave deference to Peter. What if he mentions he got there first just to say, but that I honored Peter? Because Peter was chosen by Jesus, said, you're, you're the first one. What if this moment of saying the other disciple got there first was just to say, even though I got there first, I didn't go in first. I, I gave way, I honored Peter's position. I see honor in it now. It's a little fun, right? I'm being a little fun. But I see honor in it. So even though I got there first, I did not go in first. I looked, but I didn't go in. I let Peter, the first one to proclaim the Messiah, go in. I just see honor in it. Anybody else, like, is that a little different for somebody? Like, that was brand new this morning. I mean, he peeked in. He stooped to look. I mean, can you blame him? Come on. But he did not go in. He waited. Then Simon Peter came following him, and he went into the tomb. And he saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded in a place by itself. Jesus did his own laundry. <laughs> just being a little silly, but isn't that amazing, like the detail? Like, he's just like, I'm out of here. He's like, I'm going to make this. I'm just going to have this presented for them. When they get here, they're going to see it. So amazing. I've been to Israel 10 times. Some of your beautiful people have been with me. We've been into these, this tomb. I believe it's, if it's not the tomb, it's, it's just like the tomb. It fits the story. exactly. So we've been in an example of it. It's amazing. You should go with us next year. Um, sorry. <clears throat> Says then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first. And I was like, okay, we get it, John. We get it. Also went in, right? 
And he, listen to this. He saw and, say this with me, believed. He saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. So John in this moment believed beyond what he could understand. This is unbelievable. I believe it. That's what he did. I can't believe it. I do. <laughs> I can't believe it, but I choose to. Like, wow, there is a tension here. It's a beautiful tension when we talk about the resurrection. There should be an awe-filled tension of, whoa, my, that is just so far out, bro, but I believe it. Like, that's a healthy tension to have. There's a mystery in this day. To say he's alive, I, I, have, my, I have my five-year-old and my three-year-old, and we woke up this morning, and I was like, guys, you know what today is? They're like, what? And they're like, it's Sunday. It's church day. I'm like, yes, but it's a special. It's resurrection Sunday. And they're like, really? And then I go, they're like, what does that mean? I was like, it means Jesus raised from the dead on this day. And I went, he's alive. Judah goes, what? <laughs> he's alive? I'm like, yes. He's like, he wasn't alive yesterday? And I'm like, no, we're celebrating that this is like his like his birthday, but round two. He's like, Jesus gets two birthdays? I'm like, yes and no, son. You'll get it later. <laughs> True story. That happened this morning. <laughs> right? But there's a tension. There's an awe-filled childlike wonder in there that we have to receive for ourselves. What? You know, Jesus raised himself from the grave. It's one thing that he raised Lazarus from there. A living person raised a dead person. He said, Lazarus, come out. That's one thing. A living person raised a dead person. But how does a dead person raise a dead person? <laughs> this is the proof. This is the pinnacle. This is the line that proclaims the deity of Christ. Without this day, you could be forgiven, but you would not be free. Forgiveness comes on Friday. All the sins of the world, right? On him, forgiven, justified. Power and freedom comes on Sunday. And Paul said this. I don't have it on the screen. But he said it's Philippians 3.10. It's in the middle of this bigger, long thing. And I'm, I'm breaking a little bit of, like, exegetical protocol in preaching it this way. But it would not leave me. It would not leave me that we need to think about this. That we need to adopt this as our cry. I believe this will end your powerless Christianity if you adopt this as your heart level prayer. Oh, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. We're going to get into it. Let's talk about that first one, know him. That I might know him. That's an intimate encounter with him. That's a coming into contact knowing, right? Like, it's not I know about him. It's not I've heard of him. It's not I read of him. I know him. And that is actually predicated on the fact that he's already alive. So this is Paul saying, did everyone catch that? He's saying that I might know him, as in he's living now and I can know him, right? And the power of his historical resurrection. So knowing him is the present, living, and active God. The living God. God is alive. Amen? God is living and active. 
Jesus not only rose, he ascended to the right hand of the Father and sat down. He sat down. And he is ruling and reigning in heaven. And he is waiting for all of his enemies to be made a footstool under his feet. That's your job, sister friend. That's your job, homeboy. You're to partner with Jesus to bring his enemies to heal, make this place look like his place so that he can't tell the difference. He says, I'm coming home. Thy kingdom come, that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If you're waiting for your rapture rug, sorry. Like... Whatever, I'm not trying to mess with your eschatology today. That'll be a different Sunday. But if you're waiting to just get zapped out of here, like, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, I got my fire insurance, you are missing the point of the gospel. It's fire insurance. You're missing the point of the resurrection. He was raised so that you could live in newness of life today. Today. And when Paul says that I might know him, He's talking about the living God, not the historical figure. Listen, read your Bible, please. I, I have my, one of my paper Bibles here. You, no one will ever accuse me of not being a, a, a like, lover of the word, all right? I eat that thing. I, I am, that is my daily bread, okay? I love multiple translations, all that stuff. But if you think that just by reading about Jesus, you are knowing Jesus, you are missing at least half the equation. Reading about him is supposed to invite you to speak with him now. Oh, that I might know him is not. Oh, that I might be able to regurgitate the stories of what he did. Be able to quote what he said. I know all the Bible stories. The Pharisees knew the scriptures, and this is one of Jesus's, his retorts to them. He said, you search the scriptures because in them you think you have life, but life is standing right in front of you, and you do not perceive it. That I might know him is a cry to know him personally, intimately, as he is now. And you need to read your Bible, amen? amen. But your Bible should be a portal. Like, you've seen the, mar the best, Marvel has picked up on some spiritual things, just so you know. You should marvel before the Lord and be careful about Marvel movies, sure. Yes, all the things. <laughs> but like, Doctor Strange opens that portal, and they go to another place, like he does the spinny thing, you know? Like, I get it, oh, witchcraft, I get it. But, like, the picture there, you know, everything's created in God and then gets perverted, right? There's a pure version of every perversion. So you can get mad about the perversion or you can look for the pure version. And Titus says to the pure, all things are pure, so come at me, bro. There's a pure version of that portal thing. And it should be the way you read the scriptures. You should open your Bible and see a door standing before you and hear a voice saying, come up here, come up now. You should be entering in to an encounter with Jesus every time you open that book. It's the original FaceTime, y'all. He is the Word of God. It's the original Facebook. All right? That book is his face. He is the Word made flesh. Amen? But when Paul said, oh, that I might know him, he's not saying, oh, that I might be able to remember everything he said that one time when talking to Mary. Right? That story of when he spoke to Mary, that story of even this in the garden is supposed to be an invitation into knowing him as he is now, high and lifted up, risen. What a privilege. What a privilege we have to know him now, to know him as he is, eyes like fire, hair like wool. Come on. Have you read the book of Revelation? Like, you should get into these things and go, Jesus, walk into my room like that. These are healthy prayers.
They're like, well, I'm not, I'm not worthy. Duh. <laughs> That's the point. <laughs> Hello. This is by faith. It's not by frustrating effort. It's not by your works. It's by his finished work. And you're invited to know him. What a privilege. But let me help you. Even this is where a lot of people stop. Oh, that I might know him. I have my daily quiet time. I talk to Jesus. I hear him. He tells me. He instructs me. He leads me. And he walks with me. And he talks. Right? Right? It's cool. But that's where a lot of Christians stop. But Paul didn't stop there. It's not the end point. It's the beginning. Even though we'll never fully know God, it's not the end in and of itself just to know him. According to Paul. Come on. Did you know the first thing you have to know about God is that you can't fully know him? <laughs> so it would be a pretty futile effort to say that's the end goal when it's impossible. Is anyone catching this? Is it, is it too early? Are we okay? All right. <laughs> I've been praying for 24 hours yesterday. I'm, I'm fired up, okay? So <laughs> watch out. <laughs> The idea that you can tick the box on, got it, I know all of God, is a ridiculous idea. Even unto eternity, we will be discovering him. Forever. Because there is no end to what we can know. There is no bottom to this ocean. Right? Come on. And so, the first thing you need to know about knowing God is you can't. But you're invited to discover, even though you'll never fully know him. And some of us are like, I hate that. I want to answer the test. I want to get all the right answers on the quiz. I want to get my scorecard. Well, it's not the way it works. It's better this way, though, because now it's an adventure. It's a journey. I don't want a God I can fully know. You know why? Because I can recreate that God. That's the path to idolatry. If I fully know it, I can understand it, I can create it, I can make an idol. I don't want my God to be something I can create. And to say I can fully know him is to be is the precursor of being able to create him. Is this making sense? So that I might know him is not to be an end in and of itself, but what we know is supposed to be an invitation to see more. An invitation. Like, if you find out today that Jesus is merciful, you can be sent on a journey, an adventure to understand the depths of his mercy, right, for you. That's something that's been uh, just wrecking me recently. That's, I get in worship, and the mercy of God just becomes all the more real to me. It's like, and it's not in a condemning way. I grew up, I love my roots, by the way. I love, I grew up Baptist. I am now fondly calling myself a Bapticostal. I like that term. It's true because I got the foundation of that. I love it. Grew up Southern Baptist. I'm into it, right? And we, I mean, we read the word. We, we studied the word. But being, being those who say, I know his mercy in that context, in my Baptist upbringing. Again, I love that I'm, I say he loves it. Yeah. I don't want to come off wrong, okay? I, we only knew mercy in the sphere of self-condemnation. 
We only knew it from the paradigm of punishment. Like, oh, God, your mercy is great. I deserve such wrath. You know, it was always dovetailed with, I am a wretch, and you are merciful. But there's a truth to mercy that actually brings you out of that and invites you into higher living. It's called grace. Mercy and grace are, like, interlinked in this way. So what, where I'm at now in my spiritual journey is I get to experience the mercy of God and the grace of God. I get to come to God and be thankful for his mercy without being afraid of punishment. Is this making sense? So, like, I've been, I've been a Christian since I was eight years old. All right? I'm 33 today. Or not today. I'm, I, that sounded wrong. It's not my birthday. But today I am 33. <laughs> That's the lack of sleep. Not communicating very well. <laughs> I am 33 standing in front of you. All right, eligible for crucifixion. All right, just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> it's a bad joke, oh, whatever. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, he said I looked the part. I've actually never played Jesus in any play. I've actually played Judas before, so whatever. <laughs> Deal with it. Anyway, uh, but I'm, I'm discovering now all these years later the depths of his mercy without any punishment attached. It's wonderful. And I'm getting to know him in that way, in a new way. Even though I can say I learned about the mercy of God from a young age, right? Are you hearing what I'm saying? There's always an invitation to know more. And I want to make a distinction here that there's a difference between knowing him publicly and knowing him privately. It's wonderful that you're here. I hope you come every Sunday. I hope you invite 25,000 people. I hope you create real problems for Pastor Eric. Create problems. <laughs> Create attendance issues, all right? Do it. We want all of Wesley Chapel saved, all of them. We have no desire that anyone could go to hell from Wesley Chapel. We want to make it very hard for people to go to hell through Wesley Chapel. Amen? That's just peace reign, bro. Like, this is going to be heaven on earth. Wesley Chapel is going to be heaven on earth. If you want to come with us and contribute, let's go, all right? We'll find a way to facilitate attendance issues, whatever, right? So... I, I love that you're here. I love that we get to worship together. Obviously, I, I literally have founded four churches that do corporate worship gatherings. I'm always trying to get people together to worship, right? I'm that guy. But I know something about public displays of affection compared to private displays of affection. And I know something about getting to know someone in public as opposed to getting to know them in private. And I just want to say to you that Knowing him privately is the only path to fruitfulness because private displays of affection are the only intimacy, is the only intimacy that leads to fruit. Ephesians 5 talks about husbands and wives, right? And without getting like whatever edgy, I don't know why we can't talk about sex in church. It's like everybody gets really weird. Start talking about, I'm like, you mean the world can talk about sex, but I can't. The thing God created. Hello? First command of God. What was it? Be fruitful and multiply. That's sex. He's, the first command to humankind was have sex. And we can't talk about it. Come on. Eric's a Genesis guy. He's, he's with me on this. Even if I make him blush right now, he's with me. Come on. Right? <laughs> I would stop you, husbands and wives, right now, if you started in on fruit-bearing intimacy in this room. 
Are you here? You picking up what I'm putting down? Like, I, someone should stop you. That's PDA gone bad, all right? Like, that is not okay, right? It's inappropriate, right? So why do we expect to come on Sunday and have fruit Monday through Saturday? This is not the fruit-bearing intimacy. You can know him in a measure here. But, like, taking your date to Starbucks or marrying him and taking him home, very different results. What you do at the coffee shop is going to be different than what you do in the bedchamber as husbands and wife. I'm not advocating immorality or sexual immorality or sleeping around. I'm saying in the context of covenant, right, in the context of godly marriage, there is a fruit-bearing intimacy that should never be made public. That's gross. That's inappropriate, right? That's why pornography is such a degradation of the marriage bed. It's such an attack on the purity of the primary command of God. I'm not preaching about that today, but the example is potent, so I have to use it. You will not bear the fruit God has for you if you only know him on Sundays with your brothers and sisters. You will bear the fruit God has for you if you know him privately. Because that's the only fruit-bearing kind. Amen? So knowing him in the secret place is the beginning of all fruitfulness. Public displays of affection might make you look good. Might make you look like you know God, like you love Jesus. And sure you do. Amen? All of you love Jesus. Come on. You're here because you love Jesus. Amen? Like, come on. I'm not doubting that. I'm just saying. They ain't going to make babies. That ain't going to make babies. All right? You can look good on, on Sunday and be barren Monday through Saturday. Or let me even say it this way. You can look good on Sunday morning and be barren on Sunday afternoon. Like waiters and waitresses hate the Sunday afternoon shift. You know why? Because everybody from church goes to lunch. And they're a bunch of jerks. What's happening? Where's love? Where's joy? Where's peace? Where's patience? Oh, I know why there's no spiritual babies running around. Because you've only had a public display of affection. You've only known him in that context. Once you bear fruit, it can multiply. But we haven't even gotten to the place of fruitfulness because we only know him in public, in the West. I'm not saying you. You all are professional Christians. Of course, you don't have any problem with this. I'm talking about those churches other, over there. The other three campuses of the resting places who I'm really talking about. They got this problem. You don't. So pat yourself on the back, whatever. No. Let me, can I give you some practical tips? And then we'll move to the actual point here, the power of his resurrection. But I wanted to spend time on both of these, these elements. Okay? Is everyone okay? Okay. Practical tips. What does this mean to know him privately? What does that mean? Yes, read your Bible. Yes, pray. But, like, do this. Just talk to God when you're alone. Like you're talking to a friend. And expect him to answer. Because he will. And we all hear differently. Okay? We all experience God differently. He might give you a picture in your head. He might send you. A, someone might text you in that moment when you're asking a question. He might use someone else to speak to you. He might give you a scripture verse to go look up. He will answer. Call to me and I will answer and show you great and mighty things. So talk to God when you're alone. In, in the car, 
when you're driving, doing things around the house. Just do this. Why don't you? Hey, Jesus, how are you feeling right now? Come on, husbands and wives, like, aren't these good? How are you doing today? Right? These, these are healthy things to ask your spouse, right? You want fruit-bearing intimacy? Do the same thing with you. How, how are you feeling right now? What if Jesus is grieved by something? What if Jesus is, ex- like, stoked about something? Excited beyond the belief. Wouldn't you want to know? If you love him, you want to know. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's practical. Ask him to reveal his truth to you. Like, actually ask him. God, would you reveal the truth of what that crazy long-haired guy is talking about to me? Take that all week long. It might take till Friday for it to whatever. Because, like, I know the packaging is like, bleh. Like, all right, I get it. But take it as an invitation to know him. Here's one that I do. I made this a practice. I, I highly encourage all of you. Worship God by yourself. Oh, it's so sweet. Like, this was such sweet worship. Like, the worship team, that was so sweet. It was amazing. But there's nothing compared to me in a locked room, lights off, singing to the Lord, speaking to the Lord, loving on Jesus by myself. You will never, for me, ever compare. I mean, like, you could have the greatest sound. You could have the greatest band, whatever. It, it, it has nothing on my time alone with the Lord. Like, in the car, you're by yourself. Turn on Christian radio or don't, whatever. Just sing to the Lord. He loves your voice. Or just say, I praise you, Jesus. I love you, God. You are perfect in all of your ways. You're so wonderful to me. That's worship. You're giving him worship. Amen? Isn't this practical? Like, just alone. Watch fruitfulness explode. You'll wake up more patient the next day and not know why. I can't believe I was so kind to that person today. What happened? Oh, I'm bearing fruit. This baby's starting to show. I walk a little differently. I'm beginning to co-labor with God. (laughs) And no, men cannot get pregnant. Just want to throw it out there. I'm speaking of spiritual things here. I know it's weird to talk about spiritual things in church, but I'm trying to make the church spiritual again. Anyway, say that I might know him. That I might know him. Does that change it for you? Like, I hope you take that with you. Take that with you. But he didn't stop there. That I might know him and the power of his resurrection. I said it in the huddle. Here's the truth. I want everyone to listen to me real close. The whole church knows the fact of the resurrection. Very little know the power. Today, all across the nation, all the Christians on the planet are saying, he's alive. Fact. And that's good. Amen. Declare the resurrection. That's awesome. But how many know the power of it? Like how many of them are being affected in their daily life? How many of you are literally a, like a walking, talking power outlet that if people plug into, they get zapped? This word is 
dynamite. It's dunamis, the power of his resurrection. You might have heard of this speaking like day of Pentecost, right? Whatever. The wait until you're clothed with power from on high, the dunamis power. He's, this is the same word. It's literally having ability, giving you a new ability. You have abilities you didn't have before because power has come in, right? Like these lights are able to shine because they're connected to a power source. The dunamis, the dynamite is where we get that word from. It's the ability to perform for the believer. It's power to achieve all things God has for you by applying the Lord's abilities. This is directly out of Help's Word Studies. I'm just reading you the definition of the word dunamis, okay? So you have the capacity to walk in the Lord's abilities. What? 90% of the church doesn't even believe what I'm saying right now. Probably 80% of this room is having trouble with it. So you're not alone. If you're having trouble, you're not alone, okay? <laughs> you are able to live like the Lord because of his resurrection. <sighs> you're able to actually be Christ-like because of what he did. Like, no, little old me, no way. I, I still sin. I got problems. I got character flaws. That's the power, that's the impossible part. When you do something like God, people go, that was not you. No way. <laughs> if you do it like God, you know what they'll do? They'll go, there is a God in heaven. Because that messed up person just did something absolutely impossible. You know, the accusation on the church that believes in miracles has been, if God were doing miracles, he wouldn't do it through those people. That's been the accusation by cessationists, those who don't believe in miracles today. Their accusation has been, if God did miracles, he wouldn't use those unholy, bad character, bad morals people. And I'm like, have you read the Bible? It's like the, the more, like the worse you are, the more candidates you are to move in the power of God. Look at Paul, the guy who wrote this. He was killing Christians. He was on his way to throw them in jail. What? A terrorist. He was a terrorist. He was the ISIS of the day. He was, guys. And that's why in Jerusalem, they're like, dude, we can't take this guy in. And Barnabas has to say, no, he spoke boldly of the resurrected one. He's changed. He was that. But he was a terrorist. Now he's a truth teller. He's been changed. That proves it was God and not your discipleship program. Hello? They're like, I can't move in the power of God. I don't know the Bible. <laughs> the people who know the Bible best move in the power of the least. <laughs> Am I wrong? I'm right about this. A lot of theologians who couldn't heal the sick if their life depended on it who can't be kind to their spouse no matter how hard they try. They know the fact of the resurrection. They don't know the power. My goodness. The resurrection gives you the dynamite ability, the dynamite ability to perform like Jesus in any situation. This is all by faith. It's all by faith. You have to apply your faith. You have to expect it, right? That's faith. You got to have faith for this. You're like, I can't have faith. Well, good news. Even the faith is a gift. Ask for it. <laughs> it's called the gift of faith for a reason. It's a gift. Faith is a gift. 
Hello? He gives us the inbirthing persuasion. That's what that literally means. It's an inbirthing persuasion of God's desires. That's what the word faith is. Faith is never achieved by, achieved by human effort. Like, I don't have faith because I read my Bible a lot. I have faith because it was inbirthed in me. And I am walking in that faith. Are you with me? So my partnership with it doesn't give me credit for its source. Are you, with, are you hearing what I'm saying? So you can step into that. How many of you believe you're forgiven? Okay, you have faith for that. How many of you believe you are completely set free from sin? Some of you can't say honestly, and I don't blame you, because you've been taught the opposite. You've been taught the resurrection's a fact. It's not a power. There's a power in this thing. I'm going to give something to all the Star Wars fans. Are you ready? Anybody Star Wars fans? Okay. <clears throat> I'm finding out these things date me now. <laughs> like I'm that guy getting dated by these things. <laughs> the word dunamite in Strong's Concordance, first word in the description is a force. <laughs> force. I'm telling you, Hollywood, they're all picking up on these spiritual things. Marvel, all this stuff. They're like, the force. Use the force, young Padawan. It's literally force, or figuratively or literally force. Ability, power, strength, miraculous power. The ability or abundance to move mightily. Hello? Feel the force around you. He's alive. Are you with me? Like, and I'm not talking about moving rocks. I am talking about moving mountains. I'm not talking about floating pebbles. I'm talking about bringing down principalities. <laughs> Come on. Don't shout me down. I'm preaching good. All right. His resurrection is a force to be reckoned with. And the resurrected one lives in you. Prove it. Oh, that the church would take this line. He's alive. What does that mean? Let me show you. Come here. Come walk with me. Watch how I respond in stress. Watch how I respond to people who are angry at me. Watch the fruit of the Spirit. Watch the power of His love operating through me. Watch how I pray for the sick no matter what happens. You know what's most powerful about praying for the sick after you pray for the sick and they don't get healed? Praying again. That's power. That's faith. This is the line, y'all. This is the line. Here's my question. Does his resurrection enhance your ability to perform in life? I mean, that, not, I'm not theologically. Like, you got to answer with your life. <laughs> Does his resurrection show up with forceful strength in our lives? What if we all took this as, this as a life goal? We will walk in the power of his resurrection. What does that mean? Well, there's power for freedom. Romans 6, you can read it on your own time. Galatians 2, I am set free from sin. I'm dead to sin. I'm no longer enslaved to sin. Sin has no dominion over me. I have power over sin. So much of the church has a theological framework that doesn't even allow such talk. And all I did was just repeat the Bible to you. <laughs> right? Theologically speaking, oh, that's positional. It's positional. 
yeah, we're free from sin, but it's just positional. Okay, we'll assume the position. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, not sorry. Assume, the, assume it's true. Assume he has set you free and live like it. Live like it. Well, we all sin. We all have Yeah. You know what? Sin is absolutely possible in the believer, but it shouldn't be probable. There should be a difference between you and the world. And because the church has not embraced the power of the resurrection, there's very little difference. Ask the waiter at lunch today. I'm not trying to be offensive, but I hope I offend your unbelief. I do. Absolutely. I want to kick it right in the mouth. When donkey throat your unbelief in, like donkey kick your, in the throat your unbelief. Like just donkey kick. Bang! I just want to slam that thing back to hell where it came from. Because unbelief is rooted in a lie. And here's the lie on the church. It's a resurrection fact. Doesn't sound like a lie, but it is. Oh, that I might not know him and the fact that he's alive. You know why it's a lie? Because it's not the whole truth. It's a lie by omission. It's a fact and it's a force. Oh, that I might know the forceful power of his resurrection. I am moving in some of it. I want to move in more. Amen. So even if you're moving in some, ah, there's always more. Like... I'm ready to drive by graveyards and people pop out of them. <laughs> you know how many people have been untimely, have died in an untimely manner? I'm not talking to those who went on to be with Jesus in their time. I'm talking about those who died out of season. There's a time to be born and a time to die. If someone died, like the enemy stole their days, I'm ready to just like drive by them, look the direction of the graveyard and pop, 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 pop. Come on, Peter's shadow healed people. They laid people on the streets just so that they, his shadow could get on them. And they were getting healed by his shadow. Paul had sweat rags. I mean, come on now. You think we're missing some power? Huh. Power for freedom. Freedom from sin. Freedom from your yesterdays. Freedom from your trauma. There's power for that. None of that. Power for miracles. Listen to this. John 14, verse 10 through 14. Jesus said, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Did you hear that? This is literally, just pause here for a second. What if the church says, don't believe what we say until we show you? Believe our word. If you don't believe our words, believe our works. We're raising people from the dead. What are you going to say? Everyone who comes to our church gets healed. What are you going to say? They're going to start listening to your words. The problem is we have no works. And Jesus says, if you don't believe my words, at least believe the works. <laughs> and we're like, Jesus saves. Believe this. Just believe it. Why? Because you should. Why? Because you don't want to go to hell, do you? No. Believe it. Okay, I believe it. I don't know. And nothing happens. Right? Powerless Christianity. You want to you be a better witness? Move in miracles. 
You know what you don't need when you have miracles? Marketing. <laughs> Just saying. Church planter. What's your marketing? Pro- uh, we're going to pray for the sick. Well, what's your marketing budget? Uh, our, we're going to preach the word. People are going to get changed, and someone else is going to find out about it. That's not a good plan. Well, we'll see. I'll be here in 50 years. We'll see what you're doing. I got a plan, bro. I will see peace reign in Tampa Bay. It's over. The clock's ticking. Amen? I want to move in miracles. Miraculous power. I have. I've seen metal boxes literally disappear from people's heads. Scans to prove it just because I touched his head out of obedience to the Lord. Guy flew down to the ground. His name was, well, I don't want to say his name on. His first name was Dennis. I don't want to. Uh, it's being recorded, so he might not want his information out there. But it was in 2014. I, the Lord told me to lay hands on this guy's head. And it was so awkward because I'm just walking through a conference and there's worship happening. I'm just like worshiping like in the aisle, walking through the aisle. Just felt like I should walk. And I see this guy and he's bald. And God, God says to me, touch him. Touch his head. I'm like, I'm not putting my hand on some stranger's bald head. Like, so I just kept walking. I said, no. <clears throat> and you know how you grow in the Lord? Like at the beginning, he's very kind to you. And he's like, oh, little baby, it's okay. You don't understand. Come with me. Come with me. And then you get to be a teenager, and he starts saying stuff like, boy, you better listen. Like, it was one of those moments. So I'm walking. I'm like, no, I'm not. And I literally heard, I heard him say, son. And I was like, <gasps> Like, he got his dad voice out, all right? He got his dad voice out. Started talking to me like a teenager. So I turned around, and I just went up to the gun and just barely touched his head. Barely touched it, Bruce. Like, barely. Dude flew forward into the aisle, go like rolls on the ground in a fetal position, starts shaking, starts screaming. I'm walking this way. I'm like, oh, yeah. I just started, I just get out of there, bro. Like, oh, no. What? So... Three days later, that guy's on stage. They bring him on stage. And he says, and the facilitator's name's Randy Clark. He said, there, there's been a major miracle here this week. This man had a metal box sent through a surgery, and he had tubes running down to feed the brain fluid into his spine. And he went on to tell a story. Dennis said, yeah, um, two days ago on Wednesday, I had to go to the hospital because my my uh, blood pressure spiked, and anytime that it's a big deal for me because I have all this stuff, right? And they go in and they go to do scans, and I tell them, "Watch out, because I have this metal box, whatever." They do the scan, there's no metal box. They give them, the, they said, "Sir, we're sorry, there's no metal." And they said, and they're like, "You're supposed to have four tubes. There's only one tube, and there's no metal box." So God left the tube in there just to prove it. I don't know. <laughs> one of the four tubes was there, and no box. So He comes on stage with the scans. It's crazy. Afterwards, I'm walking through the aisle, and this lady walks up, and she goes, you. I'm like, I kind of have a distinguishing look. You know, I kind of look. It's the easiest spot, especially in a Jesus crowd. Like, there's the guy. (laughs) Whatever. My wife likes my long hair, so sue me. I don't care. And so do I. (laughs) I got pastors jealous of me. Get on my level. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. And then here comes the guy, Dennis. He comes walking up. They're like, and this is his wife going, you, you're the one who touched him. I'm like, sorry. I don't know. I don't know. They're like, nobody else prayed for us. That was Tuesday. So no one prayed for us. No one touched us. 
The next day was when his blood pressure spiked. We didn't understand what was going on. And he said, yeah, I wear a plastic cap on my head because if anyone touches me right where you touch, touch me or if anything touches my head in that spot, I have seizures and I can die. And you touched me right on the spot. <laughs> what? I had no information. I heard the Lord say, touch his head. I was like, ah. <laughs> you know? Right? Like, if I had known, I wouldn't have touched his head. I would have done anything but touch his head, right? I would have done a rain dance before I touch his head. Like, like right? <laughs> Ignorance is bliss sometimes, right? And he goes, yeah, nobody prayed for him. They're like, you, you touched him, and he went down. That was the power of God. And now he's healed. Thank you so much. I'm like, you're welcome. I don't know. This is not the only time. First miracle I ever saw was my mom being healed of a 30-year chronic pain through me. And I didn't even believe in miracles when it happened. Yeah, it's a crazy story. I don't have time for all of that. But this is what Jesus said in John 14, starting in verse 12. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do. Do you know the work, this is going to offend you. I'm good with it. The works of Jesus are the low bar of Christianity. He said, if you, whoever, does it say the apostles who believe in me? Does it say that? Does it say the pastors who believe in me? Does it say the super anointed ones who believe in me? Does it say those with the gift of healing that believe in me? Oh, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater. That's why the works of Jesus are the low bar of Christianity. True Christianity. And I'm not saying you're not saved if you're not doing miracles. I'm not saying that. Look at the thief on the cross. How does that fit in your theology? Right? Jesus said today you'll remember, oh, you'll be with me in paradise. He homie did no miracles, didn't get baptized, didn't even pray the sinner's prayer. Hashtag the one that's not in the Bible. <laughs> yeah, I'll find it. <laughs> it's not there. He, what did he do? What did he do? He believed that Jesus was the Son of God. That's it. Boom. Today he'll be in paradise. But you know what should have happened if he didn't die that day? This. This is what happened in the early church. And you're like, again, I can't do that. But you're probably the greatest candidate ever for this if you're like, my life would not be a backdrop for this. He loves, he loves it. The testimony. He loves taking terrorists and making truth tellers. He loves it. It's the power of his resurrection. Greater works than he, these will he do because I am going to the Father. Hello? Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Same works and greater. And you might say, well, this is going to lead people to condemnation because when they try and, and it doesn't work, what then? Again, the greatest act of faith is praying again. And I prayed for, a, um, I started walking in this stuff in uh, 2012 uh, or 2013 after my mom gets healed. And then I'm telling a pastor about my mom's healing. She really was. She was on 80 milligrams of oxycodone every four hours with Percocet and Dilaudid every night just to go to sleep. Yeah, chronic pain. Totally debilitated from chronic migraines. She was struck by lightning when she was 18. I prayed for her, and she got healed. And I didn't believe it was going to work. I literally said, God, it's not going to work, but I'll do it anyway. It was an act of obedience. 
and she got healed. It was crazy. We were all shocked. Took me a year to believe it, all right? Straight up. So I'm telling my pastor this a couple months later. This is what happened. My mom got healed, da 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 And he's looking at me like I have 10 heads, 10. Like, nah, you're, you're cracked. Something went wrong. You, you done lost your mind, child, right? And, and he's, not, he's not being unkind, but he's just, it's confrontational because I'm like, we all need to be moving in this. I, and I, she wasn't the only one. I would pray for people at Walmart, and they'd get healed. i get a word of knowledge about the pain. i say, you have pain in your hip right here? And the lady go, yeah? How'd you know? I'm like, never mind. Put your hand on it. In Jesus' name, be healed. Check it. And she goes, what do you mean check it? I'm like, do something you couldn't do. She's like, what? I'm like, what could, if you did it and it was pain, what, what would happen? She's like, well, I can't lean that way. I'm like, lean that way. Like, I was moving in extreme faith in this moment, right? And this season was just me discovering it, right? That's a little, like, crazy. Don't go around, like, telling people to try to hurt themselves, all right? <laughs> I'm not advocating that. <laughs> I'm trying to hedge my <laughs> testimonies here. But she goes, okay, and she adopted my face. She starts moving, and she goes, and she goes, oh, my God, middle of Walmart parking lot. Starts screaming, crying. She's like, what happened? I'm like, Jesus healed you. She's like, I, I love Jesus, but the church has hurt me so bad, and I hate church. I hate my pastor. And I was just like, well, Jesus thinks you're to die for. He just healed your hip. Let's pray. What's your pastor's name? Let's forgive him right now. Come on. And... I mean, in the Walmart parking lot. So I'm sitting in front of my pastor like that. Homeless guy walks up, tries to ask for money, and he's, we're not communicating well. I'm like, what's going on? And he holds up a sign and says, I'm deaf. I'm like, oh, perfect. <laughs> True story, guys. Pastor's there, doesn't believe me. This guy's deaf. And he, he says, I'm deaf. And he actually starts to walk away because we're like, we don't have any money. We don't, whatever. And then I'm like, I know what to do now. I'm going to go pray for this guy. He's going to become undeaf. My pastor will believe. Revival. Here we go. Right? I have a plan. So, hold on. I'm talking to my, so, hold on one minute. I chase the guy on the street. He's deaf, so he doesn't hear me coming. I scare the crap out of him. I, it's, it's true. He's like, <gasps> I, like, I touched him. And I was like, let me pray for your, you know. He's like, okay. I pray for him. Nothing happens. And I'm like a stone's throw away from the pastor. I'm trying to convince miracles are real. So the pressure's on. I pray for him again. Nothing happens. I pray for him a third time. He just starts pointing at the ATM. I'm like, I'm like snapping behind his ears. I'm like, anything, please? Like, nothing. Nothing. He walks away. I go sit back down with my pastor. Like, Okay, that didn't happen, but my mom really is healed. Believe me. Uh, yeah. So I just kind of gave up. I know the heartache of this thing. I know the reputation, like, risk here. I've lived it. I'm living it now. This is risky business, but you know how I spell faith? R-I-S-K. No risk it, no biscuit. If you're not walking out and saying, you know what? I believe the word of God more than my experience, more than what I've seen. He has gone to the Father, and he said whatever I ask in his name, he'll I will have it. So I'm going to ask for the, the sick to be healed. I'm going to do it. No matter what. You know what I did not do after that? I did not stop praying for the deaf. In fact, I heard the Lord that day. 
I was like in the car, pretty upset, kind of disappointed. Like, Jesus, what? What's the deal, man? Like, not working. Like, like I lost, I lost the power, you know, like. It was the perfect moment, Lord. It was the perfect moment. Revival was coming if you had just, you know, what are you doing up there? Like, this is how I'm talking to the Lord, right? You might think I'm crazy, but I'm, this is your future speaking. Hello, this is your future speaking. If you take this word seriously, this is something of what it might look like. And you know what he said to me? He said, if you stop praying now, you'll never see it. If you stop praying for the deaf now, you'll never see it. I'm like, you're right. Three years later, sweet little lady at my church, two years later, at my church at First Baptist Midway, deaf in her left ear for 16 years because of an athletic accident. I put my hand on her ear. I said, open. And as soon as I pulled it off, it was like the volume got turned up to 11. Immediately, totally healed of deafness, completely healed. Would have never seen that had I stepped into unbelief. The greatest act of faith is praying after it doesn't work, all right? Last thing, not just the power for freedom, not just the power for miracles, but the power for your entire life is in the resurrection. Come on. I'm just going to read you one more verse, 2 Peter 1, 3 through 4. It says, his divine power, and that word is the same power, it's dunamis, okay? His divine power has granted to us, past tense, hello? Has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Say all things that pertain to life and godliness. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that's in the world because of sinful desire. You have power to live. You have power to love your spouse. You have power to raise your kids well. You have power to be the best employer in your company. You have power to build that business. You have power, man. Your powerlessness is between your ears and nowhere else. It's right here, man. It's in your beliefs. And so today I am declaring an end to your powerless Christianity. I'm not picking on anyone. I'm just pointing at all of you, right? Like I felt bad for that guy over there. I was like, your power. And yours and yours and yours and yours and yours and yours. And mine. And mine. I don't want a single ounce of powerlessness in my life. I want to prove that the resurrected one lives in me. For the sake of all knowing him. Oh, how much easier would it be if you raised from somebody from the dead to lead someone to Jesus? Hello? You know how much easier it would be to witness at your work or to have a Bible study if you weren't a jerk? You know how much more likely it would be that that works out? If you're kind all the time, huh. here's that guy. He's always impatient and a jerk, and he comes in. Like your boss sees the jerk coming, and he comes in and says, you know what? Pastor on Sunday said we need to be a witness. I want to have a Bible study. I want to have it in this building, and you can't stop me or else you're coming against my religious belief. That's what we're going to do. Got it. You know what would be easier? 
the boss going, why are you, why are you always just able to handle everything? How come when things are the most difficult, you come in and make them easy? How come you're the one everybody else looks to to see how you react? Because you, re you react well. And you can say, I'll tell you how. Not I, but Christ who lives in me. Christ in me, the hope of glory. You're seeing Jesus living through my life. And they're going to go, well, whatever it is. I believe you because you're making a difference here. See how practical this is? Do you want to know him and the power of his resurrection? Me too. So would you stand? I'm going to pray, and then Pastor Eric's going to close. And we'll have, we have a prayer team today. Yeah. So... <laughs> I want the prayer team to hold off for just a second. Prayer team's going to walk up in just a second. But I want every person, and even, Kristen, I know you're, you're serving us so well, but just even just pause to play. I want you to receive this as well. Every single person. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to say in your own heart, not out loud, just say to the Lord, show me my powerlessness. Show me. Show me where your power is not coming through. And I want you to take that thing that you're seeing, that you're hearing, and I want you to say, Jesus, I invite you. I invite your power. I invite the power of your resurrection into that place and into every place in my life. Yeah, and right now, as a son of the living king, as a son of God, as one who walks in the authority of the kingdom of heaven, I release from within you the power of his resurrection. I release a grace right now in this room for you to stand up inside of yourself and walk in his power. I say, come out of hiding, little Christ ones. I say, rise up right now in the power of his resurrection. And I speak faith over you. Not only is it possible, it's probable for you to walk in the power of his resurrection. I commit powerless Christianity to death right now in this room. In Jesus' name. You're done. Today, new power flows. New power flows. New power flows. In every place of frustration, new power flows. And God, even if it takes a minute for it to break through, let it break. Let it spring up from the inside. Let it well up from the inside out. Christ in every one of us being the hope of glory. Christ in us coming out of us. Lord Jesus, raise us up. Raise us up as powerful believers who powerfully proclaim the resurrected one by thought, word, and deed. Let it be true of us that we preach the word through thought, word, and deed. That we explain that Jesus is alive through our lives. I release the power of his resurrection in this room in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Blessing Place Wesley Chapel. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at our gathering soon. 
For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.